want to celebrate moms today. We just want to take time to say thanks to moms. And I know, I know Mother's Day has mixed vibes with people because for some people, Mother's Day is a very painful day. And, and there's some people that say, my mom was never at my soccer games or my volleyball games. But as we're going to talk about in just a moment, there's always a mom. There's always a mom who went through a lot for you to be whatever you are. And it, it, there's, there's no exceptions to this rule. And so we want to celebrate moms today. We want to we make sure and just talk about how great moms are, but we also want to mourn with the mourning. So we'll, we'll talk about this later on, but there are people in here that Mother's Day is, is painful. You're separated from your children. You've lost children. You've lost your mom. Uh, there's other reasons why Mother's Day could be painful, and we want to acknowledge that, and we don't want to gloss over it, but we also don't want to, because of that, not celebrate moms. And so it's just this tightrope walk that you, that you walk as a pastor on, on Mother's Day. And we want to... So, so one of the things about a Mother's Day sermon is you don't, you don't want it to be where everybody who's not a mom thinks, well, I sure didn't get anything out of that, right? So, so there's this, this third leg of a Mother's Day sermon that we have to think about. And hopefully as we go, the, the, the lessons, the things that we talk about concerning moms will apply to everybody in some sense, okay? And so just bear with me, hang with me. We're going to talk about breathing easier about today and then breathing easier about yesterday. And you may have seen on Facebook that today we are giving away free Sundays, waffle Sundays from Legion Dairy. Um, legendary, they worked with us, so make so if you haven't gotten your card yet, I passed out a bunch of them, but if you're here, you're a lady 18 and over, just make sure and see me on the way out. We've got these, we have some nice envelopes that the ladies from St. Jude's put a personal message in each one of them for you guys, which was super nice, and um, it's a free sun, waffle Sunday, so it's, it's Mom's Day Sunday Sunday, which I'm pretty excited about, and these are a $10 value, and they gave them to us for $6.50 apiece. So they really went the extra mile to help us out. And so make sure that when you go in and you use your card, you say, hey, thanks for helping Daylight Church. Make sure and say something nice to the manager. My, my wife, Hottie McHottington here, says that this is one of the best desserts she's ever had. She said that last week. She had it. She ate it. And that's saying a lot. We've been all over the world eating, eating desserts in Italy and Turkey. And she says this is one of the best. And then Andrew Glutz says it's the best ice cream in Louisville. If you don't know who Andrew Glutz is, Andrew Glutz is Andrew Lutz's cousin, but he spends more time in the gym. <clears throat> but Andrew did say it's the best ice cream in Louisville, and I'm sorry, Joey. Joey's a manager at Graders, and so that's, that's, you guys can duke it out. I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you about this. So I wanted to do something encouraging and kind of fun to start things off, and so I, did, I, I normally avoid this kind of sticky thing when it comes to preaching, but I looked up interesting and encouraging facts about moms, right? And I thought, I thought it'll just be neat to put some stuff out there that maybe we don't know about motherhood. And the first one I found, the very first one that popped up in this Google search, and I don't remember exactly what I searched for, was about this particular eagle that is, in, is confined to, to the African continent. And this eagle, it says, after they hatch, the mother will just feed one of the chicks. The other chick is usually pecked to death by the other chick while the mother looks on. And I thought, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And there's no way I'm using that in a sermon, right? So I ditched that idea entirely, and I went with something else that I thought was equally goofy and fun called holding my melon. And I've got two watermelons here. Would you pass this one to Ernesto sitting behind you? And then, um, let's see, Joey, would you hold this one, please, for me? And I'm just going to ask you guys to t keep these melons and j just hold it like that or in your lap or something for the rest of the service and maybe the rest of the day, okay? And that, I felt, <laughs> Joey's is cradling his. He's, he's whispering, it's what I've always wanted. I will hug him and pet him and call him George, right? So this is, it's, it's kind of heavy, isn't it? It's awkward, it's uncomfortable. And so you can put it in your lap if you don't have to, you don't have to curl it the whole time. 
But, but I felt, like, thinking about this, I felt uncomfortable asking you guys to do this because it's, it's not easy, right? And I'm relating it to, to, I think you can probably see where I'm going is, it, I'm relating it to having a kid. And it's, it's, it's quite different than having a kid. It really is not a big deal. But now, let's imagine I ask Joey to come play guitar again or come play keyboards again, right? Now he's got to figure out something to do with this heavy thing. And it's, it just sits there, and it's, it's a weight on him that's constant and consistent. And let's just pretend that these melons are going to be with you for the next 18 years or 24 years, depending on how life unfolds. Or how many? Or 36 years. I mean, and, and it's, it's different because in order for this analogy to work, basically we would have to insert this thing in your body to start off with, right? And then you're going to have to pass it, and you can figure out what that looks like. But, but, but during that time, you're going you're gonna to experience back cramps. You're going to experience weird cravings. You're going you're gonna to be nauseated for a good portion of the time. Your moods have a chance of being just up and down. And, if, and ultimately, if you can't pass this thing on your own, a doctor is going to cut you. Right? That's how this thing works. Okay? It's, it's how it works. And so you may think mom wasn't in my life. Well, she did that much. And she's deserving of honor for that. Now, in order for this to work, and I, I'm just going to love watching you guys. This is so great. In order for this thing to work, you need to understand that these watermelons will scream and scream and scream at the most inopportune and strange times, right? They're going to keep you up at night. Don't think about going to a restaurant or a theater with your new watermelon, right? What's that? It's worse than a cell phone. I mean... And, and it's there, and you can't go to a restaurant or a theater because then people look at you and say, what are you doing with a melon here, right? There's this, there's this thing that people... Now, you, you can go to the grocery store with your melon. I don't know why it works that way. At the grocery store, people will come up and say, that's the cutest melon I ever saw. Can I touch it? And you're going to say, no, you can't touch it, right? They're going to say, boy, you've got your hands full. At, at, at the supermarket, you're welcome to have your watermelon, but only, only there. I, uh, and then here's, here's, here's really bad news is about six to eight times a day, the insides of these watermelons are going to come on the outside. It's just going to happen. And you're going to have to figure out what to do with it. And you really have two choices. One, you can buy what they call cloth diapers, which are very expensive up front. They make your house smell like poop for years. Right? You have to spray them off constantly. But they're environmentally friendly, right? And you, it's a one-time expense. Or you can get the plastic stuff that ruins the environment, and it's a little bit simpler. But they're expensive over time. But either way, it's expensive over time, and there's no convenient way to take care of this, and your house is still going to smell like poop. That's just the reality. It's well, not with the watermelon. It's going to smell sweet and tangy. Now, this watermelon is going to eventually need braces, glasses, allergy shots, or other medical expenses. You're going to need to pay for soccer camp and band camp and church camp and basketball camp, and you'll pay for school pictures, dance lessons, outings with friends, and auto expenses for all this driving you're going to be doing. As the melon ripens, you're going to have to have conversations like this one. There's a new mode in Black Ops, and I got a sword, and you can roll through the person and come up on the other side and go, ooh, ah, ah, ooh, and oh, and I got my diamond armor back in Minecraft from when Elena, from the time she lost everything, I was in the hallway and digging, and there's this pickaxe and a diamond pickaxe, and you have to watch out for zombies and lava, and the really unfortunate thing is this conversation is going to happen at about 6.10 in the morning <laughs> from a watermelon that is six inches from your ear and eating crackers. And somehow those crackers are going to end up in your bed and caked in your couch and caked in every crack and crevice of your car. It's going to happen. These watermelons are a mess. This watermelon requires food and heat and shelter and Wi-Fi and dentist appointments and vaccines and education and more food and clothing and more food and more clothing. A shoulder to cry on, but sometimes a shoulder not to cry on. And I don't know if you know this, but shoes every six days. 
It's the reality. Band-Aids, antibiotics, they need boundaries and discipline, but they also need freedom and self-reliance, and that is an impossible tightrope to walk, to know where, when do you discipline, when do you set free, when do you provide boundaries, when do you allow them to be self-reliant and make their own choices, and it's so, so hard. And just asking somebody to sit with a watermelon is, is kind of obnoxious, right? And we just need to recognize, if nothing else today, how amazing moms are. Dads carry some of this weight, but statistically it's not very much in comparison, and they certainly don't carry the birth portion of it. I heard a quote from my wife that kind of summed it up this week. I was sitting in my office, and she was getting ready to take the kids somewhere, and she said these words. She said, all right, guys, I think we're actually ready to leave. Now, which word in here is a mom word? Actually. See, when you're not a mom, or you're just mom and dad, or, or just a single person, you can say, hey, I'm ready to leave. It's not a miracle. But when you're a mom, it takes an hour. I mean, it can take forever to get your shoes on, finish your oatmeal. I mean, it's just constant. And this, this kind of sums up to me the task of being a mom. It's like, wow, nothing operates as normal. Joey cannot get up and play the keyboard now. He's going to have to figure out something to do with this watermelon in order to accomplish the tasks that once came very easily. And that's why in Scripture, so the Ten Commandments, the law of God that was literally physically etched into stone tablets, contains things like don't kill people and don't steal and don't be a liar and honor God. And right in the mix of that is this commandment. So God saw this on the level with don't kill people is honor your father and mother. And it says, so that it may be well with thee, and you may live long on the earth. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise. The rest of them say don't. This one says don't, and good things will happen, is when you honor your parents. It's repeated elsewhere in Deuteronomy, same thing. Honor your father and mother. You can live long and go well with you in the land. And then Jesus. You guys have heard of the Via Dolorosa and the Stations of the Cross. So people will do this around, around Easter time. Um, and they'll go walk the Stations of the Cross. And there are places all across the country where you can do this. But in, in Jerusalem, of course, is the Via Dolorosa, which is the path of pain, the path of the rose. And uh, people have walked this path. And one of the Stations of the Cross is Jesus addressing the needs of his mother. And so you see it in his last words. So last words carry particular import with people. And of the last words of Jesus, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said, it is finished. Into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit. He said a lot of things. But one of the things he said, he noticed his mom in the crowd. And it says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. And when Jesus saw her and the disciple whom he loved, which was the disciple John, standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. So as he's hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, dying for you and me, agonizing, torturous death, he's thinking, what's my mom going to do when I'm gone? And this, this was a patriarchal society where having a man around the house was a bigger deal than it is now. He's thinking, what's mom going to do? How do, I, how do I take care of mom? And from the cross, he calls out to his friend John and says, John, will you take care of my mom? It's real interesting. You can go to Ephesus now, and you can see the places where traditionally they say Mary spent her last days. And there's a hill across the way. So you can stand at the place that the Catholic Church has said throughout history, this is where Mary spent her last days, and you can look across the hill, and it's right there, is the hill that John did all his studies on. John stayed with her, and Jesus, that was high on his priority list, was let's take care of mom. I talked to my friend Molly Bond this week, because Molly has six children, and there's, more, there's bonus children in this picture, I understand, right? When you have six kids, you're going to have 12 kids around the house all the time. That's, that's going to be the reality of it. But Molly's been through a lot. Molly lost a child years ago, 
And she, she's just a good mom. She, she loves her kids. I've been able to have some long conversations with her about her kids. I've seen her cry over her kids. She loves her kids. And this is what she said. She said, most moms would move mountains to do whatever it takes to hear and be present for their kids. Moms are self-sacrificing to the point of neglect, but it doesn't matter. There's an innate desire to serve and love your children and help them get where they want to be. And so we want to start off just by saying, let's just, let's recognize, let's appreciate moms for a little bit. You know, and, and, and that might mean different things for different people. And for some of you, it's hard, and we'll get to that, I promise. Mom might not be around anymore, or mom might not even want to be around. Uh, there's, there's tough situations where this isn't realistic, but you can honor other mothers as well. There's always struggling moms. There's always single moms. There's always moms that could use a hand. There's always moms that could use every, I'm telling you, every, I, I'll, I'll place my wife, I mean, on a pedestal when it comes to motherhood. She's as good as they come. And yet there's days where she's at the end of her rope. And so it, it doesn't matter who the mom is, they could use an encouraging word. They could use somebody to show up and mow their lawn. Particularly in my house, if you want to come mow the lawn, it would be fantastic. But they could always use a hand. They could always use encouragement. So it, go, it goes beyond just my mom, which is kind of a me life view, to all the moms. Just recognizing the difficulty of motherhood and let's see how we can help. Let's see how we can encourage. Let's see how, see how we can inspire. And, and if your mom's around, call her. Give her a call. I mean, just take time. That's one of my biggest regrets in life. My mom died the year we planted Daylight Church. And I, I think now... You know, back then, she was going to live forever. There would always be time to get, get together, and there's not necessarily always going to be time. Take the time to call mom. Take the time to show up. Take the time to listen. Be a friend to mom to the best of your ability. I know it's not always possible, but to the best of your ability, reach out to mom and love mom well. But while, we were doing, while I was preparing for this sermon, there were really two categories of, of moms in my head, and one of these is inspired by my wife because, like I said, some days... She's, I mean, she just kicks butt in the mom department. She is a good, good mom that works really hard and loves our kids. Our kids, in my opinion, are growing up well-adjusted and kind and compassionate, and they love God, and she's doing a great job as a mom. But there's days that she comes to me and she says, I don't think I can do this anymore. I just, I just can't handle it. You know, Judson is whining. I mean, he's three years old. and oh, Imagine just having a watermelon in your lap that all it does is say, I need something from you, Mom. And that's what a two- and three-year-old does all day. And so I don't know where I'm going with this, except, except to say that there's a lot of moms that are just flat worn out. And I want to address that briefly. So, so, so if you're not a mom in here, then, then just recategorize this as what do I do when I'm worn out because of jo the job stress or work or whatever else. We all, we all get to the point where we're saying, I don't think I can do this anymore. What do I do? And there's this, this song. For, for, so my first piece of advice is, one, to cut yourself some slack and trust God, meaning everybody feels this way at some point in life. There, there's no exceptions, I don't think, of people who feel like life is just too much for me to carry right now. We all reach that point. And just recognize that it's okay to reach that point, that it's nor you're a frail human being, and it's normal. And so if you're a mom that says, if I hear that child whine one more time, don't go away thinking, I'm so terrible. I'm the worst mom in the world, which I know haunts my mom and it haunts other moms that I've heard from. And it might haunt you, haunt you as a coworker or as a friend sometimes is, why am I so bad? And I'm just here to say that you're not so bad, you're normal, you're human, you're frail. There's a song from Mute Math 
called OK that has one of my favorite song lyrics in it. It says, down on my knees, down on my face, and you just say, it's okay. And that's, in my opinion, Jesus' response to when you're stressed out, when you can't handle hearing that kid whine one more time, when you don't know how you're going to get to work because the, trans- the car is dead and you've got two kids to feed and one of them needs asthma medicine and everything's going, and you're just insane. It's okay that you feel the way you do. Don't compile it by adding on, I'm worthless. Don't allow that to happen to you. Just, just recognize that you live in a stressful world and in a stress, stressful environment, and it's natural to feel that stress. So it starts with just trusting God and cutting yourself some slack. There's, in Parenting Magazine, I saw this recently. It says, the job description of being a mom includes pickups, drop-offs, playdates, bathing, cooking, wiping, folding, homeworking, negotiating, peekabooing, timeouting, I'm counting to threeing, and don't make me come up there there are also the domestic CEO duties that often fall on mom, bills, doctor's visits, PTA meetings, lawn care, and impromptu dishwasher repair needs, and the hours are tough, and the pay stinks. Being a mother is a mother of a job. This is Parenting Magazine, which is supposed to be hoorah, go get them, right? It's just saying, look, it's tough. It's a really, really hard job. I remember in 1985, I owned a pair of these. Now, I don't know if you know how, how, what a big deal that is, but these were the original Air Jordans, right? And so in 85, I would have been 12 years old, right? And I mean, it was a big, I, in fact, I just saw some of these auctioned online for $15,000. I mean, these, these are a retro classic at this point. But I wanted them so bad. And I think in 1985, they were about 100 bucks, which translates to like $3 million in, in terms today, right? $100 for a pair of shoes in 1985. But I wanted my Jordans as a 12-year-old. Why? Because I thought I would be cool, right? My friends would dig me if I had my Air Jordans. So mom, who, who worked hard, my, mom, my dad would have been dead at this point. She was a single mom raising two kids, working her tail off to make ends meet. She bought me the Jordans. What she didn't recognize was these were not effective track running shoes. And so I ran track back then, and I would run like the mile in my Air Jordans. And I don't know if you can picture this, but my legs were this wide. Like, this is how skinny my legs were. And my shoes were this big and about this tall. So I'm this skinny kid clobbing along in these Air Jordans. And so I'm way behind everybody else constantly. And I remember specifically hearing my peers laughing at me. I remember it, dagger in my heart, right? I remember, nice shoes, H, right? I remember them jeering at me because I was out, I I didn't know. I was out there thinking I'm the coolest kid in the world because I got my Jordans. I didn't realize I'm the biggest doofus in the world because I'm running track in Jordans, right? Now, am I, in fact, I haven't even thought about that story until I saw that $15,000 auction recently. Like, it didn't scar me. It didn't ruin me. So mom blew a call here, Right? She, she should not have put me running, a, running long distance track in Air Jordans. But instead, she catered to what I desired and what I hungered for. Like Molly mentioned, she would, she would move mountains to make sure I got where I wanted to go. And I'm saying that to say, the only way you can really blow this thing is to not love your kids. So I, I don't, when I think of that story, I don't think, Mom, what were you doing? What's wrong with you? Instead, what do I think? Mom bought me Jordans. Mom bent over backwards. She wasn't perfect. She didn't make all the right calls, but she did pretty dang well by me. She loved me really well. She bent over backwards. She moved mountains. 
to serve me and to help me. And I'd like to say that I grew up pretty well-adjusted and there's nothing wrong with me. And besides that, I'd like to say that I grew up well-adjusted and there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> but the point is this. Love them well, even when you're freaking out, even when you can't stand hearing that whining or you can't stand the 10 pounds of weight that you're having to carry with you constantly. I notice moms have these huge bulging biceps on one part of their body, like one side of their body, because they have to carry these weights. And in all those situations, love is, is the solution. And so if you love your kids, you're going to do just fine. Don't listen to the fraud police. The fraud police will tell you you stink at this, you're terrible at this, you're a bad mom. You yelled at your kids today. I heard a comedian once say, if you haven't yelled at your kids recently, you haven't been around your kids enough lately. It, it's, just, it's just a hard, hard job. Parenting Magazine confirms it. It's hard. It's super hard, right? So don't let the fraud police come and tell you because you yelled at your kids once or because you lost your temper or because you, you went and took a bath while your kid was screaming and crying and you should have been feeding them, but you were just so worn out that you had to get away. It's all okay. You're not a fraud because of that. You're normal. Maya Angelou, who I mentioned last week, has written 11 books. One was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. She's won five Grammys, and she says this about every time she releases a book. I've written 11 books, and each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. And what she's talking about is they're going to find out I'm a fraud. She said that publicly. She says, I don't feel like I am who everybody thinks that I am. I'm a fraud. I'm not the real deal, and someday I'm going to be exposed. And I've heard this from lots of people. There's a particular disorder attached to this thought that we're not going to talk about today. But most everybody feels like, I don't deserve this job. I don't deserve these friends. I don't deserve this, that, or the other. And that's the fraud police speaking to you and telling you lies. Peter Scazzaro, in this book we're studying called uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says, God has placed enormous limits around even the most gifted of us. Why? To keep us grounded. To keep us humble. In fact, the very meaning of the word humility has its root in the Latin hummus, meaning of the earth. You are born of dust, you will return to dust. You are fragile, and it's okay. It's normal. You're not a fraud. You're doing the best you can. Keep doing the best you can. Keep loving, and everything will turn out just fine. And besides that, you're getting paid. This is what I mean by that. I have, I have certain parts of my job that I despise. Like, when I have to go do these parts of the job, I think, oh, I hate this. And probably you feel the same way. There's probably parts of parenting that you love. There's parts that you hate. There's parts of your job you love. There's parts you hate. There's parts of living in, in family that you love, parts that you hate. There's, there's these segments, this compartmentalization of our lives where there's parts of our lives that we can't stand and parts that we love. So here's what I try to do with my job. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just confide in you guys. It's a secret. Don't, you know, I know lots of people watch it online. But I hate those A-frame signs you see out in the parking lot. Those things weigh a butt ton. And I don't know what a butt ton is. It's like a ton plus, right? I mean, they, they, they've got to be 80 pounds. And every Sunday at 7.15 in the morning, I have to go pick those. I have to squat really low, pick them up, put them in my truck, and then come over here and pull them out and squat really low to put them down. And then I have to do that again on the way outside of church. I hate those things. But you know what I've started to do? I've started to pretend those are the only parts of my job that I get paid for. So my paycheck when it comes in, uh, it's a modest paycheck. It's not, it's not crazy, but it's not, it's not insignificant either. I try to pretend that the parts of my job that I love, that I do those things for free. And I would do them for free. I, I love getting to preach. I love getting to counsel people. I love all kinds of parts of my job. I just hate those signs. So I pretend every time I pick up one of those signs that I get paid 150 bucks a pop to pick up one of those signs. And now I look forward to picking up those signs. 
I think, yes, this is, I'm getting paid, uh, and I'm getting huge, right? I'm, I'm, I'm changing how I think about it. And here's what I want to encourage you to do when it comes to parenting or your job or whatever else. The parts that you hate, realize those are the only parts that really require a sacrifice. They're really only, that's the only actual expression of love that you're exhibiting. If it comes easy, it's not always love. It might be selfish. You never know, right? But when it comes to parenting, putting up with whining, changing the diapers, getting on a schedule, paying for braces, all of these things pay off, like, like you saw in the, in the first scene, those were Olympiads from birth until they won in the Olympics. It was a mom behind them the whole time. You're getting paid in that the best you can possibly do in this entire life is to invest in other human beings. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the greatest investment opportunity you have in this life is to invest in other people. And as a mother, as a father, you have an opportunity that no one else has. And you get to reap the dividends of this incredible investment of shaping and molding and creating a human being that becomes something incredible. I've decided I want to live to be 50. I want to live to be 90 so I can watch my little girl turn 50 because I want to see where she goes. Her heart is so soft and so compassionate and caring. And Jesus seems to just work in her and through her. And I want to see what that looks like when she's 50. And I'm getting paid now. I'm getting paid because one day she's going to be incredible and I get to sacrifice to help facilitate that. And you do too as a mom. So next time the kid's throwing peas across the room or you're finding crackers in every crevice, recognize you're getting paid. Like this is an investment. This is something you're investing in that will change history, will change the world, and it's going to be the greatest investment of your entire life. Talking to Molly about where you go when you're a wiped out mom, I'm going to fly through some of her points and, 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 and end with a point that basically says talk to Molly. But she says you need to raise your hand and say I need help. It takes a village to raise a child is a very common expression. You can't do it alone, and when you try to do it alone, you're missing out not only on the opportunity to receive some help, but the opportunity to connect with other human beings in ways that are meaningful and important, to experience love in your own life. And so when life gets hard, when it comes to parenting, find someone else. And, and she mentioned a friend, a mom, or a spouse to do some trading with, is to find some opportunities where you can help one another and, and work with one another to make a difference in each other's lives. She said, if you have multiple children, find time to meet with each one of them individually. We have date nights at my house. So I have Elena dates and Siler dates and Judson dates and so forth. And they really, they look forward to them. And Molly talked about that with her kids. And it can be simple. You go, you go to McDonald's and let them slide on the slide while you read a book. And then you have a, a happy meal together. And then you go to the dime store. Man, Elena, if I take her to the dollar store and say, you've got $3 to spend, she goes nuts. I mean, it's like, it's like she's queen of the world at this point and walks away with the dumbest stuff. But it was great. And, and I'm, now I'm getting to do the part of my job that I love. Now mom's getting to do the part of mom's job that she loves. And so take time with each kid. You got to find a way to have time alone. You got to refresh. You got to take that bath. And if that means leaving a kid in a screaming crib every now and then, leave the kid in the screaming crib and get your bath. Self-help and self-health is a huge part of doing this thing and doing it right. And then finally, find someone to follow that's doing it well. And this applies to every part of life whether it's your job, whether it's parenting, whether it's education, is find someone that's doing it well. And I want to encourage you to talk to Molly. Man, she starts talking. I come from a Pentecostal background where they talk about people had the anointing. 
They'll say, oh, you're, you, you're anointed to sing. You're anointed to preach. She is anointed to talk about this topic. I'm, I swear she starts talking, and you're like, whoa, Jesus is like coming out of her mouth right now. So talk to Molly. Talk to people like my wife. Talk to moms. Talk to Kate Barron. There's, there's moms doing this. She's saying, no, not me. There's moms doing it well. Talk to them and learn from them. And then I want to very briefly address people that are hurting today. And there may be multiple reasons, and I want to run through those real quick. You may not be able to have children. You may desperate. I remember the, the tears and tears my wife cried after two, two miscarriages and, and attempt after attempt and doctor after doctor not being able to have kids, how, how terrible it was. And it, it, it can make Mother's Day a hard day. You may have lost a child or your mother. You may be estranged from your child or your mother. And, and this is not a sermon about this topic, but I know the topic of abortion comes up on, on Mother's Day. My, my mom had an abortion, and I, I, I'm assuming because she's in heaven that she's all good with me sharing that at this point. But I know that Mother's Day and every time this child's birth date came around, and, and every day, there wasn't a day that she didn't go, by, go thinking about this child. And this is not a topic about abortion, but it is to say that if you've had an abortion, this is one thing that people feel like they can't talk about, and they ache. And they hurt a lot of times. Not everybody, but for some it's very painful and there's a painful memory and it may make Mother's Day difficult. You may have had bad parental experiences. You may have hit your kid at one point and now you don't know how to ever erase that. You, you, may, you may have been an angry parent their whole lives and now maybe they don't even want to talk to you. Uh, there, there can be a thousand reasons why you may have bad parental experiences and bad childhood experiences. There, you, your mom may not have cared for you. So for all these reasons... Mother's Day can be difficult, and there's probably more that I didn't think about, but I want to start by saying cut yourself some serious slack and trust God. It's the exact same advice. Is God is in the business of restoration. He's in the business of whatever you were doesn't have to be who you are, and he is in the business of coming in and cleaning and healing and fixing. And It doesn't mean every relationship will always be restored, but it means he can fix some that you'd think he couldn't. He will. He wants, he wants to work. Trust him. And same song lyric, down on my knees, down on my face, and you just say, it's okay. It doesn't mean what you did was fine. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that every situation is good. But it, it, when my daughter falls on her face and comes to me crying because she fell, I hold her and I say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And what I mean is, daddy's here. And that's God's heart towards you, is whatever you did, what it, how, however you blew this thing, or whatever losses you've experienced, or for whatever reason on this list, if Mother's Day is hard, he wants to hold you and say, it's okay, we're here together. Let's see where we go to from here. I want to echo Molly's advice that says I need to raise my hand and say I need help. If today is a tough day, tell someone it's a tough day and let them pray with you and let them be close to you. And I want to share two passages of scripture, one from Romans 8. So I'm jumping ahead, Joseph, of your sermon. I'm stealing, man. Spoiler alert here. It says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present, things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This was a long way of saying there is no way to get away from the love of God. There's nothing you've experienced, nothing you've done, nothing you ever could do that that love would be now unavailable to you. He is there and he cares about you. And then finally, Psalm 23 is a passage you, get, you hear at, at funerals and recited in postcards. I want to read, let's, let's read it together if you guys wouldn't mind. Let's, let's read it. Let's go. The Lord is my shepherd. Ah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Looks different than my screen, so I blew it. Starting over. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who wrote this? What did David do wrong? Every, everything. Perfect. This guy was a murderer, an adulterer, a liar. And yet the day come when he said, I get to walk with God. He's a restoring God. And it doesn't matter what you did. He wants to hold you and say, it's okay. 